If you're tired of desperately trying to do enough, if you're looking for joy and peace in your educational pursuits, if you think classical education and delight-directed learning aren't mutually exclusive, if you believe memory work is valuable but lists of facts seem boring, if you want true, good, and beautiful education, but you don't want to squeeze it into a one-size-fits-all model or externally impose schedule, then join Amy at humilityanddoxology.com and bring wonder and delight back into your homeschool. Join Amy at the five-day winter wonder challenge and get more than $200 in free resources. Again, that's humilityanddoxology.com. I am so excited to introduce Neutralite. This company has been around for 80 plus years. They were green before green was even a thing. They have the world's number one kids and adults vitamins and kids and adults probiotics. This company uses the power of plants from seed to product to nourish and support you and your family's immune systems so you can have fun and enjoy living life together. You know, personal testimony. I had allergies for years and couldn't even be in the room with dust or cats. And the only thing I've changed since then were my vitamins and supplements. They truly cleaned out my system. And now I have three cats. Don't spend another penny on low quality vitamins that invest more in advertisement than the product. Arm yourself with Neutralite vitamins and probiotics, and they have so many more things that will keep you and your family happy and healthy. Also, you can earn points towards cash with every purchase, and with purchases over $99, there's free shipping. Stop losing sleep and time with your family and get back to life with Neutralite. The link is in the show notes. Welcome back to the Homeschool Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Bex Buzzy. Today's guest is C.R. Stewart, author of Britfield book series, also founder of the prestigious Devonfield, a comprehensive company dedicated to the highest quality in film production, publishing, and education. Chad has 20 years of experience in writing fiction, nonfiction, and movie screenplays. He is a prolific writer, producer, and creative specialist, international consultant, and prominent speaker. Chad is a strong supporter of education and the arts and is an adjunct professor at Fermanian School of Business, Point Loma Nazarene University. In this episode, we talk about how fiction books with factual information without hyper fantasy or bending reality too much can keep learning authentic and fun and how reading the right books fosters critical thinking. We also talk about how Brickfield is more than just literature. There's history, math, and here's a sneak peek into Brickfield. Welcome to the world of Britfield. For six miserable years, Tom has been locked up behind the cruel walls of Weatherly Orphanage. With a single clue to his past, Tom escapes with his best friend Sarah. Now they are on the run 
from a famous Scotland Yard detective and half of the police officers in England. Along their way, their adventure introduces them to new places and friends in England. Will Tom and Sarah solve his mystery or be captured and sent back to the orphanage? Experience the story of Britfield on Britfield.com. Chad, say hello to our guests and tell us a fun fact about you that most people might not know. Sure. And thank you for uh, having me on your show. And I guess one of my fun facts would be um, I'm, I love the sound of music. Big fan of that. I watch it probably every year. And I have um, visited Salzburg, Austria twice and been to the actual locations where the film was was shot. And they still look absolutely identical as they did in 1965. Wow. I love that. Oh my goodness. That must have been like so surreal just to see it on uh, like live. It's pretty cool. It's funny because uh when I first went there, and this is like 30 years ago, and I and I was uh, working uh, at a this little castle in Milstadt, Austria, through Calvary Chapel, which was interesting. It was wow. like this ideal situation. And then I took the train into Salzburg and I'm on, I'm like thinking to myself, I wonder if anybody knows where the sound of music was filmed. And I, and I walked downtown and there's like eight buses, you know, the sound of music tour. And I'm like, right. And so, <laughs> so I did that. And it's amazing. Cause um, they shot, it, it, everyone re remembers the iconic um, first scene where she's walking up that, that sort of pea gravel, dirt gravel road with that yellow or um, orange, not not orange, mustard colored wall, and she comes up to that gate. You know what I mean? And then there's the fountain. Yeah. And um, and that's one location, and it's exactly the same. I guarantee. I mean, I'm telling you right now, like like 50 years later, nothing's wow. changed. You could you could walk up there. You can't walk inside, although I did, because um, <laughs> like to like I like to push the edge. But um, and then the back of the house is filmed at a different place um, on the lake. And again, too, you can walk around the lake, you look back and there it is. And there's the steps and the little gate and everything. I mean, exactly like it was. And it's still like that. And I think that's kind of neat that it's been preserved so well because, you know, you, you might visit scenes later and it's like it's been, you know, torn down or whatever. I mean, they, they literally look exactly the same. So I thought that's kind of cool. That is so cool. And speaking about pushing the edge, you're pushing the edge with your new books, Britfield. I mean, why don't we talk about Britfield and how it is just taking over the literary space and the new things that you're doing with it? Yeah, I'm really excited. Britfield and Lost Crown series uh, is a seven book series. Britfield and Lost Crown is the first of seven books. Uh, the first one takes place in England. And I think what makes these books so dynamic is not only are they fast paced adventure novels, um, but they're based in real time. So I, I think that's great. And uh, they're really based on family, friend, uh, family, friendship, um, loyalty, courage, and faith. And as a child or an adult are reading it, they're learning about history, geography, art, architecture, and culture. But it's that uh, it's that sense that it's it's anchored um, in the here and now, and it's current and it's present. And uh, as I've always said, it's like when Tom and Sarah, the two main characters. Uh, get into trouble and they're constantly faced with obstacles and, and problems they don't wave a wand they can't fly they don't have demigod powers they have to solve the problems by using critical thinking communication collaboration and so we have a lot of these themes that run through it a lot of these foundational wonderfully educational foundational principles and obviously teachers love it homeschoolers love it um, so many schools across the nation have already adapted the book 
and books into their reading curriculum. We're just about to close a deal uh, with the largest uh, charter school system in the nation that wow. wants to teach the Britfield Trilogy uh, to their 12,000 students. So we're pretty excited about that. So, oh and then uh, uh, what's nice is, is uh, then book two is in France. It's Britfield and the Rise of the Lion. And now Tom and Sarah are 13 years old. And then book three, which we just launched in September, Britfield and the Return of the Prince uh, is in Italy. And Tom and Sarah are 14 years old. So the books progress. They travel around the world. They progress one year. And I think it's a lot of fun because we all know um, the difference between a 12 year old and 13 year old <laughs> or or a 12 year old, and a 14 year old. Right. It's like it's like that's two decades in in, in kids age. So, sure. so it's fun. It's fun as a writer, you know, because because I get to mature the characters a bit and it's and it's um, and it's a lot more intense. And um, and it's fun because kids can grow up with it and and read up to it or, or read along with it. So, yeah, so it's a seven book series. Uh, we have four more books to go and uh, we're wow. in development for the first movie. Uh, it's going to be seven major motion pictures. We do anticipate that the um, the Britfield Lost Crown movie is one of the highest grossing, most successful films in cinematic history. And if all goes well, that'll be coming out December 2024. We're just, we've just now pulled the trigger for the script. So uh, the script writing process or script, the original script, script will be happening within the next uh, seven to 10 days. And so we're really excited about that. And uh, should be in pre-production next year and even production in the fall of next year. And then we're also developing um, a couple of different television uh, programs for the Britfield series. So uh, one would be Weatherly, which is the orphanage up in Yorkshire, Northern England, which I think would be a lot of fun, especially for kids and, you know, young adults. And then um, and then the Britfields and sort of sort of think Tudors meets the Queen meets Rain meets Rome, <laughs> oh, you know, like wow. all those, all those really cool series, you know what I mean? Like, like they did an incredible job with the tutors and I love at the end of the day, what they're doing with, with history and they're making it interesting and they're developing these incredible programs. I mean, I, I was um, a, a British literature major and, and history major at Brown university for my undergraduate. So, so I love history. I read history all the time, but to take history from 500 years ago and like, you know, have top shows, you know what I mean? I love that. You know, it's cool. Like, like rain was a four season series uh, about Mary Queen of Scots, and it was awesome. If anyone, yeah, if it, oh, wasn't it? It was Loved awesome. It, yeah. it was awesome. My and, husband and, and I were and like literally riveted every week. We're like, we can't not watch. Isn't this. that great? Amazing. I mean, you're sitting here watching 500 year old history, and it's like it's. And again, too, people are people are people, right? I mean, nothing's really changed. And and my theory has always been that you go back in Rome 2,000 years ago. And not not much has changed, you know. Uh, family is important. Everyone's trying to get a job. Um, you might be taking a, a a vacation. You know what I mean. You might be going down to the south south of Italy or wherever. Uh, you have a house or a home or an apartment. Um, you have your meals, your food. You know, you have you have a bed. Yeah, I mean, so much of the stuff set aside from a course communication. You know, electricity is the same. And people are people. I don't think much has changed in two thousand years. But. Um, Anyway, yeah, so so I, I loved right. I read the biography too about Mary Queen of Scots, and it's just uh, amazing. Like you want you you can't make that stuff up. Like that's she's one of the most interesting characters I think in history. What she went through, and it's stunning. Talk about a heroine, you know. So totally, anyway. <laughs> totally. And I love that you're basically doing something very similar. You're taking factual information and you're creating a uh, a story behind it and you're yes. you're keeping things grounded, but yet there's still an element of mystery and of excitement and of adventure, you know, kind of like a, a, like a, a revamped of like a Chronicles of Narnia, which is very fantasy-based and, you know, Lord of the Rings, extremely fantasy-based as well, but you're taking actual fact and you're bringing it to life which 
I love those types of things because I, I, I almost feel like I'm, well, not that I almost feel like I know that I'm learning at that point, which is, I think why I was so um, focused and so engrossed in rain. And I also watched the tutors. It, it, it was these shows that kind of like helped me get into the history of things because it's sometimes it's a little hard when you're, when you're not able to visualize like really sure. what's happening, but somebody else has been given that gift to bring that to life. I, I, I really, I really love that. And, you know, in our pre uh, interview conversation, you had said that you believe the movies are going to be really even better than the books you said, because you're going to be able to bring it to life. Can you like talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I know it's a great question. And and, I, and some other things that are fun about Britfield and Lost Crown is it's actually one of the most awarded books in children's fiction. And I believe when it's all said and done in the next five to seven years, it'll be the single most awarded book in children's fiction. I love it. And uh, our youngest reader has been seven, our oldest reader has been 93, and half our reading audience wow. are adults. But um, but yeah, it's funny because I know we're always so disappointed, right? We love these classics or these books and then we see the movie and it's disappointing and I can't help but to feel. And, and just as a fun fact too, I, I started my writing career uh, not as a novelist or even as a, a nonfiction writer, but as writing screenplays. And because uh, I was really fascinated as I still am with movies. And so that was where I got my training. And, um, and it's tough and it's grueling, but I think that's what made, has made all these books so so good is that they're based on the three-act structure, the classic three-act structure. They have their plot points and midpoint. Um, and I write in that type of um, speed. There's no speed bumps in my books. I don't over-describe, right? And, and one of my biggest complaints, and I think I was talking about this, is, right, you have these authors that really have about 150 pages of story and then another 150 pages of description. And it's just, it's it's too much. It, it, it drags it down. Um, it tangles you up. It stops the flow of the story and you end up leapfrogging, right? You're reading along and it's just like poof, big paragraph. And it's like, don't care what happens to him. You know what I mean? And so I'm very careful about doing that. But with all of that said and done, I just think bringing Britain and, and England alive, um, bringing Yorkshire. I mean, I, I do my best in a couple, you know, two or three pages as we're coming into Weatherly Orphanage. But can you imagine just a, a three second opening scene on a movie of the moors and 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 the, and the castles on the hills and the fog and this big, ca you know, castle, which is um, Weatherly Orphanage, uh, just all of it. And, and the figures and the and once they um, and then Oxford and the, and the steeples and the streets and the, and the universities and all the different colors. And what we'll be doing, too, is we'll be playing a lot with themes and colors obviously like when when tom and sarah crash land the balloon i'm giving a few things away at windsor castle you know you bring in those deep burgundies those royal colors and stuff and um and flying and as they're flying over england can you imagine those gorgeous shots of just these rolling hills and these little cottages and cathedrals and just all of it i i, I just think it's like it's going to be so beautifully vivid that you're just going to be you're going to be sucked into this movie in a way that I, I don't think it's been done for a long time. I mean, it's funny because I'm coming back to The Sound of Music. And I use that as a reference for many reasons. Number one, it's the fifth highest grossing movie of all time, still. Um, it was the type of movie that was out for 18 to 24 months. People had seen it 30, 50, 75 times. And it's because it works on 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 all the different levels. You know, it's it's a great story. And I think it's extremely visual. 
right? And that's why I was talking about Salzburg. And it's like, it's so beautiful, that opening scene, right? Or the scenes. And then as they, they come into Salzburg and the lake and the, and, the, and the town and the wall, I mean, all of it, we love it. You know, we love watching that. It, it pulls us into there. And there's there's very few movies that are like like that that I can even think of. And Britfield's going to be that type of movie that's I think is great for all audiences, all backgrounds, all demographics. I think it's a type of movie that um, kids will be coming to, to see again and again, like I did with the first Star Wars. You know, you're gonna have, you're oh. gonna have kids coming back three, five, seven times. You're gonna have grandparents finally able to take their grandkids to something. Parent a parents' night out with the kids to finally watch something that's edifying, that's good that's morally pleasing, right? That's not disgusting and filthy, like 98% of the crap that's out there. So we're going to knock it out of the park like no one's ever seen. So That's so exciting. Not for nothing. It's so exciting. I, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing all these things come to life and everything. And I love how you're, why you're doing that, because I, I know when I'm when I read books, I always want to be able to use my imagination. And I feel like that's exactly what your books are allowing people to do to actually really use their imagination. And I, I love the fact that you've left space for that, because it builds attention there to 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 like, really, like you said, critically think, and be able to to move forward. And honestly, that's a that's one of the biggest things in um education now that is lacking and is something that a lot of people struggle with trying to help students develop that skill yeah. and the fact that you're doing it in an interesting fun factual you know educational way where they're gonna by nature literally start critically thinking through the books it's awesome there were these books when I, when I was growing up that also kind of had something similar to that they would allow me to choose different endings there'll be three different endings and they would let me choose a different ending each time depending on which page I, yeah I'd be like if you choose this thing go to this page and you'll get a different ending and I remember I would like just Oh my gosh, I was eating up all, I was absorbing all these, these books and just, I would run back to the library, another one, another one, another one, you know, until I read them all. But that's because of the power of, you know, allowing kids to make a choice, critically think, you know, and, and, and move forward that, that way. So I think that's really great that you even just thought about that. So what inspired you to create this, these, the series of books? Cause this is, such an amazing like uh, like this is huge this is huge we are we're, we're excited because i mean this is not um nationally this is globally and um and we're uh, i've got a wonderful literary agent um based uh, she's actually from new york out of la living in france i love that how cool is that and we were just at the frankfurt book fair uh, in October did, did tremendously well. And we've got about 14, 15 countries right now that are, we're, we're, we're closing deals with for the trilogy, which include obviously England, uh, France, Italy, Spain, uh, Mexico, Brazil, Japan, Russia, uh, South Korea, Indonesia, and a bunch of others. Isn't that incredible? Um, yeah, we picked up like Spain and Brazil at the Frankfurt Book Fair. And I thought, gosh, that's interesting. That's amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. But um which is kind of cool because it's like you know my as book four book four will open up in um in Vienna Austria and and uh, and then it goes it goes to Prague and then through Poland and then Eastern Europe and then it ends in Russia and then book five is in Asia and then book uh, which and will include South Korea 
and uh, book six is South America, and then book seven is the United States. So, um, and it's always highlighting the, these countries. I'm, I'm basing it on these countries because I, I love these countries. I love their history, their culture. They're so different. You know, I mean, I mean, France and Italy are, are, are so different, you know. Yeah. Um, England and France are so different, right? Yeah. I mean, they're separated by 26 miles at the shortest point in the in the channel there, and but they're night and day. Uh, couldn't be more different, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it is quite interesting how all these different cultures are different. But um, um, I drifted. What was your question? I'm sorry. What'd you say? What inspired you to oh, yeah. create this series of books? Yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting too because um, I, I I never planned to do it, which I think is quite interesting. Um, I, I've I, I've been writing for a long time. I was writing movie scripts, uh, which I really enjoy. And a couple of years ago, I did a, a romantic comedy that um, at, at one point will produce. And uh, another one was an action thriller, kind of along the born identity sort of theme, but oh, I think I a little that. bit better, a little bit better. Yeah. yeah. And um, and then I was writing nonfiction books and it was over 12 years ago. I was uh, I was an investment banker working for Merrill Lynch or Morgan Stanley. I was sent down to this really boring uh, seminar in Providence, Rhode Island on the weekend. Like you had to go. And I think it was insurance, you know, wow. like the most dullest thing in the world. And I was just, um, and, I, and I was trying so hard to concentrate. And I sort of had to deal with myself when I when I went back when I went to like grad school, like like sit in the front row, do not doodle, right? Take notes, <laughs> at least one page of notes, like these certain things. Like I used to sit in the back, and then I'd drift away, and I'd start to doodle, and 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 yet I doodled, and I doodled a circle with three lines, a basket, a boy and a girl, and I wrote the boy in the balloon. And for some reason, that second, that 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 simple little doodle resonated with me. I thought, gosh, that would be a lot of that would be a fun story. A couple kids, boy and a girl. Uh, you know, 12 years old, I've always been kind of fascinated with that age because it's such a critical age, you know, it really and I think it, it's, it's one of those impactful ages. 26 is another one of those impactful ages. Um, and uh, and it takes and, and I love England. I lived in England for about two years. And so it's like starts up in Yorkshire, northern England. And then, you know, they're at this horrible orphanage and they escape and, and they come into this hot air balloon. I thought, how cool is that? You know, the mm -hmm. very the very sense of freedom. Right. And yet and yet you're not because you're at the mercy of the weather. Right. And um, and they start traveling through England and just experiencing it like the most wonderful, beautiful time. They meet this Professor Hainsworth at Oxford, you know, this kind of a grumpy, staunchy little, you know, professor that, that hasn't had a vacation in three years and finally help, decides to help them. And so you have this father figure and it's just the whole thing just developed. And I when I was starting it, I didn't think I didn't think of series and I didn't think of 400 pages, but, you know, book. Book one is 384 pages. Um, I was thinking of something real simple and short. And then I just, I said, well, you know what? Let's just sit down and start writing it. And stuff just flowed out of me, you know, flowed and flowed. I started developing all these characters and stuff. And by the time I finished book one, I'm, I'm like, we definitely have three book series here. Oh, wow. And then, and then again, as, as I was continuing to write, I'm like five book series. And then now it's a seven book series. So, uh, but, but book one took me four years and 2,500 hours to write. Book two took me... 3,000 hours in five years to write. Um, and book book two, Britfield and Rise of the Lion, is 474 pages. Uh, but book three, which is my crescendo, book three is so exciting and amazing. And it's the trilogy. So there, it's a moment. And yeah. um, I wrote that in two years, and that's 575 pages. So I'm I'm definitely um, getting better, if you will, and and, and learning and and yeah. I think the biggest the biggest trick to writing for me at least is is literally outlining the whole thing before you start writing it. It's okay if you have if you have a scene in your mind or you know like some dialogue or paragraph, you know, get it out, get it on paper. But to literally outline it, and it's hard. It's harder at first, but it's like I always say, it's like 
building a house, you're like, okay, I can see this vision. I've got this big three-story Tudor style house. Are you just going to go out, buy the material and start building it? Of course not. And that's how a story is. You're going to sit down with the architectural plans. You're going to figure out all the walls. You're going to make sure that all the supporting beams are where they need to be, right? Which is your structure, right? And then when you're done with the architectural plans, and you might spend three, three months on the architectural plans, when you go out and build it, it's, it's, it's boom. It's, it's like, I, I, I know what I'm doing. Here's the foundation. How, here's how deep it is. And here's, you know what I mean? And, and you build it. And that's how a story is. That's how a book is. Once it's all outlined, all the scenes are set up, you know, where they're going to go makes sense, you know, all that other stuff. Uh, it only becomes better. So, and it, and it really streamlines the process because you don't hit those walls. You're like, what, what happens next? It's like, I've already figured it out. I know what happens next. So, right. Yeah. Wow. I mean, this is, it's genius. Like I'm like listening to you and I'm just like, wow, this is awesome. I like reading, like not reading, but writing was never been my strong suit. I've always struggled as, um, even now, like I, I, I write more than I ever have in my whole entire life because I really, that's something I really want to be able to develop. I feel like writing is just really important for your brain, you know, for all types of, you know, developmental reasons. And it also helps you become more articulate eventually. Um, when you talk to people. So that's really been something that I'm focusing my my adulthood on doing. So listening to you is just like, yes, okay. I am thinking the right thing. You know, as a teacher, I, I have to scaffold everything and build a structure and then I could put everything in there. So you just really confirmed a lot of things for me, which I'm very thankful for. <laughs> so that's fantastic. Yeah, and what's fun about it is, is it, that doesn't take the fun out of it, but it it it, it it's it, this is another example I'll give because I I do a lot of school presentations for kids. We, we do virtual author visits. We we did our first um, first one in Australia uh, about six weeks ago. How cool was that? Wow, um, which was quite interesting. But I'll say it's like a, it's like taking a writing a story is like taking a journey, right? And it's like you and your best friend, you know, you're gonna you're gonna take this car journey for three weeks, and I'm like, that's fantastic. Where are you going? And you're like, we have no idea. And I'm like, well, that's a disaster. I mean, they're gonna, what do you get in the car? You just drive. <laughs> but if you sat there and said, hey, we're leaving from San Diego. Uh, we're going to drive to Boston, you know, and then these are the stops along the way, which are, which are your chapters. That's kind of the idea of outlining it. You know, you might not know everything, you know what I mean? But you try to you try to figure it out and plan it. And um, yeah, I, my best example of the fun part of it is 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 once once the structure is there, the heat's off and you can just write and have fun and expand on scenes. But I remember like I wanted in book three, Fitfield and Return of the Prince, I wanted to include the um, um, the Colosseum in Rome. And I just wanted to include it. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. But um, you have three main characters. You have Henry, Kate, and, um, and um, oh, no, I forgot his name. Oliver. <laughs> and um, and it's like in the driving past it, you know what I mean? And then I'm like, well, I'm going to kind of incorporate. It. And so like they're, they're chased by the cops and they park right in front of it. And it's nighttime and it's it's gated and it's locked. And I'm like, well, maybe they go inside it. You know what I mean? Like they hide inside because the cops are coming. I was like, OK, so they yeah. pick the lock. They go inside and I'm like, what's inside the Coliseum? You know, and I'm pulling up pictures and I'm like, oh, interesting. The tunnels underneath. And I'm like, so they go down there and then they're hiding behind the walls. And the cops come in and it's like, then they got to go into the tunnels. And then I'm like, where do the tunnels lead? And it's like one of my most amazing scenes. I thought it would be only two pages. It ended up to be about six or seven pages wow. because it, it wrote itself. You know what I mean? And, and you're real to it. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, now they're like a couple, like a mile into these tunnels. How do they get out of there? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, and there's, then there's a great scene too, where, where they're walking along and, and they start to, to, to go across those walls, you know, with all the skulls and it's like, yeah. yikes, right? Like creepy. Ah. But I'm like, I'm like, well, well, a lot of churches buried stuff down there. So there might be like steps that come down from an old church. You know what mm. I mean? 
And so they find these steps, you know, but and then they go up to this like sort of um, door, you know, that's in the ceiling, but obviously it's it's locked closed. You know what I mean? And so it's like I created this amazing, it's like one of my favorite scenes in the book that started with just this sort of simple idea that I knew it was going to be there or I wanted to include it and um, and and all this creativity and, and, and you're practical with it. And I think it's, um, in my opinion, it's harder to write this sort of um, nonfiction based fiction if that makes sense yeah because because you know like in in you know lord of the rings or narnia or uh potterville you know or, or harry potter it's like it's like you can you you can you create your own world and so it's like you know like oh well i've got a i've got a magic cloak you know what i mean or if you right. say this spell you know what i mean and it gets you out of these situations it's all impractical it's not real um and and um and kids aren't really learning anything from it but but to have to sit there and like say okay if they are here how far would it be to travel or, or how would they get there? If they don't have money and they got to sneak on a train, what does that look like? And what would a train conductor do? You know what I mean? Like I, this yeah. is all the stuff that I'm troubleshooting and playing devil's advocate all the time. So you're not reading it saying, Oh, come on. You know what I mean? Right. Or how did that happen? They were there and then suddenly they're here or, wow. you know, and so, you know, and I'm, I'm looking up, like I'm looking up distances all the time. I have maps that I use. Um, yeah. I'm researching, you know, um, how many euros is it to take a a, a train from, you know, from yeah. um, Lucerne, Switzerland to, to Lake Como. And it's like, okay, well, it doesn't get to Lake Como, but it drops you off here. And I try to keep that much authentic, authenticity into it. Um, That's huge. Which is fun. Yeah, which is a lot of fun, though. But but I mean, it, and it is, and it's, and it's, and it, but it's real, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's like, so I'm not fiddling around with that. I'm not suspending reality too much, if you right. will. I can bend it a little bit, but... Um, you got to be careful as a writer when you do that. So, wow, Chad, that is amazing. So, what's the call to action? Where can uh, families, parents connect with you, and you know the teachers, people who are listening to this podcast, who are all into education? How can they connect with you, and what are some ways they can, you know, um, utilize your resources? Yeah, I think the best way is um, to go to our website. It's Britfield.com. It's B-R-I-T-F-I-E-L-D, Britfield.com. It's a, an award-winning website. It's an amazing website. We have over 400 pictures of England on there. So all the locations that Tom and Sarah go in the book uh, or travel um, are there. And it's done in such a way that you can kind of walk through it. It's got interactive maps. We have um, some of the interviews that we've done. We have our uh, national um, and global school tour on there with pictures, feedbacks from parents. And um, we also offer the 83-page uh, study guide. Wow. Based on national standards, because Britfield Lost Crown was designed and is meant to be taught in the classroom or to the homeschool groups. And uh, it's it's the perfect book, you know, chapter by chapter. There's tests, there's, there's questions, there's quizzes, there's vocabulary. Um, and we have a lot of schools that have already adapted it into the reading curriculum, so. That's fantastic. So as we're wrapping it up, Chad, is there one big takeaway you want to leave with parents from our conversation today? Yeah, I think um, because you're mostly you're uh, focused on the homeschool movement, right? And um, we're, we're big advocates of that. Um, I love homeschool kids. I find that the homeschool kids are literally the best and most educated and well-rounded kids I've, I've ever met. And I've met quite a few of them. Um, I think it's a tremendous thing. I think it's awesome. Um, it's gone from 5 million to 15 million and growing in the last yeah. two years. So while the enemy is trying to shut things down and destroy, we use it and, and build and it's pretty cool. Um, and, and to just all the moms or parents that want to homeschool, but, 
um, don't know how or feel like that, that someone has to quit their job. I don't think that's a reality. I think there's so many options now. There are. Um, that, yeah, that it's just like it's it's there's homeschool groups. You can drop your kid off instead of dropping them off at school or you can do something where it's like they're doing some stuff online and then some stuff at a charter school or you're maybe you're you're home one time a week or there's just there's there's so many different opportunities for you to homeschool that it's just it's amazing. And it's like I, it's it's natural. You know what I mean? It's like it the, there's nothing natural about sending your six or seven or eight year old off to an institution that was designed on the Industrial Revolution it, to, to sit there like they're at some factory from from seven or eight till till three or four. It's ridiculous. And the only thing they have in common is that they're all 12 years old. That's not Correct. natural either. And you mentioned that uh, when we had our conversation. I love that. It's like, I don't just hang out with like 51 year olds. You know what right. I mean? Like, you know, it's just like, it's so dumb. Yeah. And it just, and already it's setting up these walls. It's like, well, he's 13 or he's 14 or they're older or they're freshmen. Or it's all this stuff's just nonsense. You know, it has nothing to do with education. It's nothing to do with life. And and they know it. And uh, so to pull your kids out of these places, trying to be nice <laughs> and homeschool them, you know, is, is a really great way to go. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today and just sharing all of your wisdom and all your experiences and your books. Thank you so much for coming on today. If you love the conversations we're having here on the Homeschool Advantage podcast, follow or subscribe our podcast to stay in the loop and never miss this amazing content. And please highly consider taking a minute to leave a positive rating and review to help others like you discover this show. See you next time.